Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Hello, and thank you for tuning in today. I am Michael Graywolf, artist, traveler, all around, all around geek, witch, and brother initiate of the Unnamed Path. This is Matthew Sidney, writer, musician, uh, initiate of the Unnamed Path, and uh, eternal student of life and <laughs> spirit. Thank you for joining us. Yes, and you're listening to Walking the Unnamed Path on this podcast. We discuss the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of men who love men. I'm sorry, I got a little tongue-tied. <laughs> ancestors of men who love men and laid out by our late founder, Hyperion. We also touch on different topics and ideas pertaining to queer pagan men in general. You know, We're glad you've decided to join us tonight, and we hope you'll be part of the show, either by calling in at area code 347-308-8222, or you can drop us an email at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at walking underscore the UP. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash walkingtheunnamedpath. So, Matthew, how are you? How is your holiday? Uh, it's been great. Uh, I'm one of those fortunate people that uh, my day job does allow me to have a four-day weekend. Uh, for Thanksgiving, so that was very nice. Um, uh, enjoyed a little bit of a Friendsgiving with some local friends here, and um, really was able to carve out some time to do some spiritual work. Um, and some stuff that definitely pertains to unnamed path. You know, I um, finally finished making uh, my stang, and it is now dedicated. And so that's very exciting. And um, also carved out some time uh, for creativity, Uh, started working, started writing a new song. And uh, I kind of gave people a taste of that on Facebook Live uh, yesterday and again earlier today. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting concept. There might be... uh, uh, more songs in this song cycle because I'm all about telling stories and, but I don't want to give too much away. Just I'm feeling inspired and feeling the muse and really grateful to have had some time this weekend to be able to explore that. Nice. Yes. I tuned in and caught a little bit of your, of your uh, show right before the, right before we started tonight. Cool. Thank you. I'll be I'll be doing that again. If anyone feels like they missed out, you really didn't miss anything. (laughs) My voice (laughs) sounds like shit. Uh, My, um, you know, whenever I I first start working on a new song, it's always uh, uh, very clumsy. While I'm still working out the kinks, so I'll be sharing it again um, in the future uh, on Facebook for folks. So it it gets a little better every time. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Always better to, to catch a later version than an early version. Mm. Oh goodness! But no, you no, you sounded good. I thought you sounded good. Thanks, thanks. 
you know, working on it. I just come out of a nap, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, um, Thanksgiving. How has your weekend oh. been? It's been good. Uh, my Thanksgiving was rather, it was low-key and not at the same time. I had a very relaxing Thanksgiving with my family. We were over at uh, my aunt's house. And we had a lot of family show up that we did not think was going to show up. You know, my my family tends to be close-knit, but we understand that, you know, as the kids get older, you know, they have their own families and they have to go see their extended families of the new family and whatnot. So, you know, we we always tell them, you know, we understand if you can't make it. And it seems like almost everyone who missed the last few years came uh, this past uh, thank- this Thanksgiving we just had. The only person oh, that's great. I, we were missing a few. We were missing a few family members. One of them being my brother, who just moved to Missouri. Mm-hmm. My mother is. I said you know a few times throughout the day. She's like, I miss Chris. I wish, you know, he was here, and. But I'm pretty sure she went through the same things when I was living in Illinois. So she's kind of, you know, not as emotional, I think, as she could be. But Chris Mm -hmm. is the baby. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But, But, yeah, other than that, you know, I'm so glad my day job, I do work retail, but I work a specific niche of retail. So I didn't have to be at work at 5 p.m. Thanksgiving Day (laughs) to open the store for people to come in and shop or even later, you know, at midnight. You know, I went in at my normal hours and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't remember the last time I had a Thanksgiving slash Black Friday like this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And plus, like, the day... Like the day before Thanksgiving, yeah, which would have been Friday, yeah, no, Wednesday, uh, Dr. Susan and I on uh, All Acts of Love and Pleasure had a really interesting conversation about decolonizing Thanksgiving. And that was actually. Oh, a lot of fun. wow. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone is interested in that, I will put a link on our Facebook group, uh, well, Facebook page. We don't have a Facebook group. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I'm trying to think. I, I can't think of a good lead in for today's topic. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. <laughs> well, I think, well, you know, today's, uh, today we're going to be reviewing um, one of uh, Hyperion's episodes um, from the original The Unnamed Path podcast. Uh, in particular, his episode 52 was on polarity, magical polarity. And I think it's relevant because our last episode, we chatted with Casey Juvinko, the author of Garbed in Green. And polarity is the topic that's really the um, launch pad, if you will, for the entire discussion of uh, queer men's mysteries in garbed in green, so I, mm-hmm. I personally I think it's pre- ideal timing 
you know, for people who caught the last episode or, or people who've read Garbed in Green and want to get uh, an understanding of um, the background behind Magical Polarity and how, how we in the Unnamed Path view it, I, I think it's um, a perfect uh, flow from, from one one episode to the next. Mm-hmm. It, I have to say, it was... I get... I'm in, I really like it when we go back and do these reviews of the episodes of the original podcast because I feel like I'm listening to it again for the first time and I'm catching little bits of like, oh, yes, I I knew this, but I kind of forgot. <laughs> so, I, I and the listening same experience, to, yeah. Yeah. So there's, listening there's to so this much... one, it was... It was kind of um, a lot of information and had to listen to it like two or three times. <laughs> what it did it is a lot. He he does he does yeah. he does cover a lot in that episode. And I I think um I'm not sure, you know, I don't really talk to a whole lot of, of people um you know, in the magical community, so I, I'm not quite sure what what the zeitgeist is. Um, and I'm of that generation. We pretty much grew up with uh, whatever books were available, and it was mostly Wicca-based material that was available. And um, in in the context of Wicca, we're taught about God and Goddess, and that uh, the, uh, the 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 balance between the God and Goddess and the union of the God and Goddess is what creates creation. And we pull that into our magic, um, particularly, and Eddie speaks on this in the episode that we're discussing, uh, particularly in Gardnerian witchcraft, you have the concept of working pairs, working partners. Uh, it's boy, girl, boy, girl. And the concept being that the coven is acting as a magical battery and you need those those poles, the male and female poles, those two, uh, what they view as, as opposite energies to make that battery work. Um, and uh, they also talk of even, even just uh, uh, two magic practitioners working together on their magic, a male and female. They don't necessarily have to be uh, partners. They don't necessarily have to be husband and wife, but just the fact that they're of opposite gender within the context of their magical system um, is, is enough to generate that, um, that magical battery, so to speak. So I think you have um, a whole generation, probably my generation, who grew up with this idea that magic is something that happens uh, between a male witch and a female witch um, doing this work together uh, in order to mm-hmm. really – manifest um obviously uh in unnamed path we we certainly don't um we certainly don't work our magic in that way um Mm -hmm. but the concept of of magical polarity exists beyond well outside of gardnerian witchcraft if uh anyone's familiar with france bardone's material um he uh, published several books on uh, a particular style of hermetic magic. And he talks about the magical polarity of these two energies that he refers to as electric and magnetic. 
and uh, the electric is the word that he uses to describe this um, basically uh, a fiery energy um, and projective energy and the water and, and magnetic describes is, is what's described as watery and, and attractive. And that in that system of magic, that system of hermetic magic, um, you uh, work with these, with these two poles in making things happen. And then also very popular book, the Kabbalion um, gives uh, it's, it's a short treatise on magic. And one of the basic elements, the Kabbalion speaks of as being an essential ingredient of magic is um, the polarity. And I think it uses the word gender. Um, uh, if I could be mistaken, but I vaguely remember using the word uh, gender um, in talking about the polarity that it uses and there needing to be these two poles uh, in order for the magic to happen. Um, in our society, um, heteronormative predominant society, it's really easy to simplify or assume that that, ma that magical polarity means male and female. Um, but it doesn't. I think that's really, uh, I don't think I know that's actually a gross oversimplification of what magical polarity is. Sorry, I'm like, and then I, I have a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> and then it looks like I'm, I, you know, I and um, Michael, I think you pulled up this research. Um, there's a, a, a quote here: "Gender polarization is a concept in uh, sociology by American psychologist Sandra Byrne, which states that societies tend to define femininity and masculinity as polar opposite genders." such that male acceptable behaviors and attitudes are not seen as appropriate for women and vice versa. So it's this opposite mm -hmm. that, that this is this, this is concept that men and women are opposites. And that's actually something that Eddie pushes back against. Um, I think in that episode um, is yeah. that, well, that they're, they're not, yeah, you know, we have this concept of male gender, female gender, but they're, they're not opposites. It's not, you can't say oh, they're hot and cold or they're dark and light or, you know, that, that's, that's really, um, it's not even accurate to how yeah, I, gender plays out no, in the real world. Yeah. I mean, he went even so far as to say, you know, gender is so very complex and, you know, nowadays most people, gender is a spectrum for most people, you know, your gender and your sex are two different things. And that is something that Eddie touches on also. You know, sex is not right. gender. Right. And I think for me, even long before I came into Unnamed Path, and I think I picked up on this during my exploration into uh, Tantra and, um, uh, Indian-based uh, systems of spirituality, um, Hinduism, and, and certain forms of Buddhism. Um, and, and that's the idea that we're not our bodies. We are uh, ultimately spiritual beings that are inhabiting and using these bodies, and that on a spiritual level, we are androgynous. We have both 
and all genders, the entire spectrum within ourselves. And, um, you know, I've sort of come into, uh, even before I came into Unnamed Path, I had for my personal awareness that on the magical path, on the spiritual path, there's a stage where we learn to transcend the limitations of, of gender, whether it be what society labels us or whether it be based on our genitalia or whether it be based on our chromosomes and transcend that and acknowledge that we embrace within our spiritual selves, the entire spectrum of that energy. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, if, um, maybe there needs to be more awareness around that. And I think as more um, queer and non-gender conforming people become visible and as they proceed to step into their roles as um, leaders and teachers and contributors to the, to the discussion of things spiritual um, that people become more and more into that awareness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Michael, have you seen a, a shift in the way in magical communities and the way people think of and understand gender and magical polarity? Yeah. So generally, well, I haven't been lately, but I am usually very much involved with um, the pagan spirit gathering community, part of Circle Sanctuary. And in the years that I've been attending, or that I had been attending, you could definitely see there was a a shift in how people, you know, thought about gender. Um, even let's see. I mean, for example, in the last two or three years, there have been like big strides to make something that was either uh, all-inclusive or gender non-conforming um, rituals for people to attend who identified in such ways. Um, I'm trying to think. Because one of the big things at PSG is they do a men's ritual and a women's ritual about midway through the week. And they had, for the first time a couple of years ago, um I'm trying to remember how they phrase it. It may have been an all-gender ritual. Of it was. It happened at the same time as the men's and women's ritual. Uh, and if you felt like you didn't really fit with the women, or you didn't really fit with the men, uh, you were invited to go to that one. Or if you felt like a man, but you, you know, if you didn't feel like going to that ritual, you could go to the all-gender ritual. Mm -hmm. So, there have been a lot more talks about being more inclusive and, you know, trying to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Trying to disassemble the gender binary. Right. Not saying that, that doesn't mean that, you know, they want to obliterate it completely because that will, you know, like I am a cisgendered male. I don't believe you are too. You know, we haven't discussed it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
you know, we, you know, we identified male. So, you know, if we wanted to do a men's ritual, we would go do that, you know, and that goes along with how, you know, we as men who have men, we vibrate to a certain energy. So that's how, you know, that's where we would, we are drawn to. That's where we attract to us also. I think I'm going off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, I mean, it's such a big topic and I think it's, it's a topic that's challenging to talk about because I think we're limited by our language. And I mm-hmm. think it's, it's difficult also to choose words because, um, you know, different people have understandings of, of exactly what words mean. So I could say something that makes perfect sense to me, but someone else may interpret it as something quite different. Um, so yes, I, I am, uh, for the, you know, I've, for listeners who are curious, I am a, a cisgendered male. Um, you know, in, in my uh, spiritual experience, because I've been, um, and I don't know what the best word is, I guess a mystic or a spiritual explorer, since a very young age, um, my in my spiritual dimension, um, I've always made space for, um, for the full spectrum of gender. So, you know, certainly, you know, when I'm out on the streets, I certainly, uh, you know, present as and, and identify as, as a man. Um, on, on a spiritual level, um, I, I really do see myself as, as all genders. Um, I mm-hmm. definitely, you know, have access to that, um, you know, the, 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 the female side and, and the, the androgyne side and, and that's been for quite a long time. So those are a part of uh, who I am on a very personal level. It's, you know, I, I, I'm a lot of people choose to go out on the streets with that. Personally, I've never felt the need to do that. Um, mainly because for the most part, my spirituality, it's connected to my spirituality and my spirituality is very private. So, um, you know, for me, it's always, you know, been a very internal thing, but something that's very much there. Um, you know, I don't mm-hmm. feel, you know, I don't feel confined by my uh, socially ascribed label. You know, I just see it more as a garment. You know, it's like I don't walk outside naked, you know, so I, you know, before going to the store. So, you know, I, I'm very comfortable putting on the, you know, the male identity and, and, and being in that space, um, interacting with people, knowing that, you know, my soul is, is far more than just that. And, um, you know, that this soul has, you know, probably worn other uh, kinds of bodies in the past and, you know, will very possibly wear other kinds of bodies in the future. Or, you know, I kind of create space, mm-hmm. you know, space for that and I, I came into that awareness at such a young age that now I, I don't even really think about it mm-hmm. but I think it's also yeah. important I'm uh, to to touch on that that gender and magical polarity um, are not the same thing they can be mm-hmm. similar they can be connected but I think it's 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 important to recognize that they're not the same thing, especially in the unnamed path modality. They're completely mm-hmm. different. 
dimensions. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and start looking at the episode. Uh, the premise of the episode was inspired by uh, a fellow podcaster to Hyperion, uh, Peter Patton of the Crooked Path podcast. Uh, they're at crookedpath.org. Uh, he had a question of basically how a group of men who love me- men who love men get their polarity thing going. You know. And Hyperion's answer is that the, the very question um, makes two assumptions, and uh, one is that um, one assumption is that the dynamic and unnamed path is similar to that of a Gardnerian witchcraft setting, and the other is that gender is the only expression of polarity. So the answer is is. Basically, the first part of Hyperion's answer is to dispel those two assumptions. You know, magic, the way we work it in the unnamed path, is a bit different than, um, you know, what what is, you know, many people think of as, as uh, uh, witchcraft, especially in what many people think of as a Gardnerian setting. Um, and we do have polarity, but it has nothing to do with gender. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in the in the Wiccan setting, magical magical polarity has to do with god goddess, male female. That's your polarity that you're working with. Um, in in unnamed path, we work with the light god and the dark god. That's our magical polarity. Um, if we're going to give them a gender, we can say that both of those genders are male. Just like you can, you know, we're men who love men. Typically, we're relationships of two or more um, males loving each other and then creating that sexual tension and creating that sexual magic between them. Um, And so beyond sex on a magical level, we're drawing in that contrast between the light God and the dark God. Well, what does that look like? Um, In our tradition, uh, the dark God is associated with the underworld uh, and he's also associated with personal ambition, with our animal drives, our instincts, um, the earthy part of experience, um, the energies of the earth. Whereas the light God is associated with um, uh, selflessness and compassion and transcendence, um, more um, uh, yeah, of course, the upper world, and that it's this dynamic between the two that fuels the magical battery, if you will, in the work that we do. And we do that in our most basic uh, exercise. Our most basic exercise is tree breathing. And in that very exercise, we're calling those contrasting energies into our bodies and uh, may encouraging them to dance together within our bodies. So our most basic magical practice is to take these two poles, bring them into our, our, our bodies and integrate them within our bodies, using our body um, as our primary magical instrument. Hmm. 
looking over the notes. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, um, you know, I was thinking about it today, and I was thinking about what I remember from when I was very young and very deep into Wicca. Um, and to be fair, I'm not an initiate into any um, Wiccan covens or Gardnerian witchcraft covens, so I'm sure there's a lot of depth to what happens in an initiatory traditional British witchcraft coven that we're not doing justice to. I can't speak to that because I'm not aware of it. All I'm aware of is mm-hmm. what was published, materials by Janet and Stuart Farrar, um, materials by Scott Cunningham and others. I understand that some people feel that it, a lot of that's watered down, um, but whether it's watered down or not, that's the material, that's the basis for most people's understanding of magic. Um, because that's what most people, if you go to one of the pagan festivals, you go to a workshop, most people you're going to run into have either firsthand or secondhand knowledge that came from these published materials. So if, if you're a Gardnerian witch and you're saying, no, 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 you have it all wrong, I, I have to bow my head humbly and say, you know, I probably do have it all wrong. Because I don't have any of the oath-bound material. All I have is, you know, mm-hmm. what I read when I was a kid, um, and that was the stuff that was publicly available. Um, and you know, and, and at least what I remember, and, and you know, what I read, and, and what I used to do when I was a solitary uh, Wiccan, um, it's uh, you know, we're using these symbols on the altar, so. Uh, you have the god and the goddess. You have male and female polarity. That's your magical, how you fuel your magical battery. And then on your altar, you have your athame and your chalice. And the athame represents the male, the penetrative god energy. And the chalice represents the receptive goddess energy. And uh, you do um, the symbolic great rite wherein the athame is inserted into the chalice and it is symbolic of uh the penis um entering the the vagina and and you know sparking new life and so the, the you know magically you're imbuing your tools with these the the these contrasting energies and performing this symbolic action to kindle the powers of manifestation in order to create magic and manifest what you want to manifest Mm-hmm. All very powerful and beautiful, but our approach in the main path is completely different. We're taking these energies not into our tools, but into our bodies. Mm-hmm. Drawing up energy, you know, drawing up from, from you know from from the dark and the light god into ourselves, yeah. which is actually the way it's done in um, in many traditions in the East. That's very very similar to tantra, where you have mm-hmm. the contrasting energies. Um, you know, the far as yin and yang in, in Hindu setting, uh, um, Ida and Pingala, these are energy currents in the body. And you're mm-hmm. uh, awakening these energies in the body, turning on the light switch so that the two forms of energy, you know, run together and you're bringing that together within you. Yeah. I will say, when I came to the ending path, one of the things that drew, to, drew me was the idea of, you know, we have, and I've said this before, that the gods of the ending path were comforts of themselves. And that attracted me to the tradition because, you know, yes, very much I 
knew the basics of, you know, what the heteronormative uh, magic was. And it just, it didn't draw me. It didn't pull me towards it like I wanted it to. I was very much attracted Mm. to, you know, magic and working with energy and whatnot. But the, you know, the, I didn't feel the vibration. I didn't feel the draw when I thought of, you know, the god and the goddess merging, doing their thing. Had no appeal to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, learning about the Unnamed Path, at a festival from one of our brothers, I was like, okay, this, you know, is like me. This, you know, I immediately felt a draw. I wanted to learn more because of that. So, right. I definitely and, understand. And I, th- I think there's, there's, yeah, I think there's a huge need for that. I mean, that was, for me too, that was definitely a big attraction for the unnamed path. Um, ultimately, my personal opinion is that we're using metaphors. Language is limited, mm-hmm. and um, ultimately, all language is metaphor. And in our heteronormative predominant society, um, we've developed this um, magical nomenclature where we identify the um, the magical, the contrasting magical energy currents as masculine and feminine. Um, it's not mm-hmm. unique to Anglo culture. Uh, it's very similar in uh, the Far East where you have yin and yang. Um, of course, it's an oversimplification. Yin is not, does not equal female. Yang does not equal male. But when you contrast them, um, yin is often associated with what Asian cultures associate with feminine qualities. And yang is associated with, with what they typically identify as masculine qualities. And if you uh, dig deep into the yi jing, there's a lot of, they pull a lot of gender symbolism into their, um, the way they work with the polarity. Um, one powerful thing that Casey Giovinco does in Garbed in Green is he, um, he adopts, and I can't remember the philosopher's name, Baudrillard. I'm probably butchering it and I apologize, but he adopts um, the expressions uh, productive and seductive as um, language to use to identify the contrasting energy currents. Because when we say productive and seductive and we're weaving those contrasting energies together, we've taken um, biological gender out of the equation. So uh, it creates space where, okay, well, I as a male, you know, I can be either productive or seductive or both, um, depending on how I feel that day or how I feel in that moment. And that mirrors exactly how we work with polarity in an unnamed path. Uh, in this episode that we're discussing, 52, Hyperion speaks at length about how 
uh, yeah, some guys are more light God than others, and some guys are more dark God. But most of us flip back and forth. We have days where we're more to one side and more to the other. We embody both of those. Um, and mm-hmm. that that ability to flip back and forth between the two is actually a big part of our magical practice. Uh, he talks about uh, what he describes as mirroring, and that mm-hmm. is uh, two men um, – with sexual tension can mirror each other's energy back and forth. Um, and so the, you know, one in a particular moment, one partner may be exemplifying more of a light God energy and the other is exemplifying more of the dark God energy. And then they switch places. And this is something that is really deeply woven into the, language and experience of our unnamed path tradition, and that is the light cut and the dark cut are not static. They're constantly dancing. They're constantly moving back and forth, trading places. So when I'm having a passionate moment or a magical moment or even just a debate with my partner, that light God, dark God energy isn't just sitting in one of us, but flipping back and forth between the two. Um, and we do that when we raise the great crossroads, when we pull down the uh, invite the light God down, and then he descends into the underworld. And we invite the dark God up and he ascends to the upper world because although, yes, they are, uh, they do contrast each other, but ultimately they are parts of one greater being. Um, and so that's another thing that in our tradition we, we, we keep, you know, a, a, a keen awareness of that. I'm so glad you said that because I was about to be like, I was about to say something very similar about how they are the same being, just in different. Um, oh my gosh, I had the word in my head. Different phases. No. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. word Hyperion generally used. Yeah. Different phases of experience, and they just right. flip back and forth constantly. Right. And even now that I'm teaching Unnamed Path, it's really interesting because I find myself oftentimes having to remind students that these, the light God and the dark God are parts of one being. They're not we experience them as separate. We experience these two different, very different, seemingly opposite energies, but all they're parts of one deity. And I think from our experience, it's very easy to fall into a mindset that there's some kind of, whether it be a competition, let's say, between the two and and no 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 it's not like Mm -hmm. that at all if you're experiencing a competition between the two that speaks more perhaps to a lack of integration within yourself of those those aspects that are within you Mm -hmm. sorry I got lost in thought there for a minute uh, that's okay. I did too. So <laughs> you're not alone. Um, one thing that um, Hyperion describes in this episode is he talks about mirroring. I mentioned that before. And he describes 
and I, he didn't use this. I don't think he used this word. I call it an infinity mirror is when you, know, you have two mirrors facing each other and it creates you know, the illusion of an he infinite hallway. He describes it. Yeah. Possible. I can't remember. It. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he mentions how that same thing happens in our experience of the light God and the dark God, the light God and the dark God being um, representatives of, of, the two poles of magic, the two poles of spiritual experience that we um, work with uh, in our craft. And uh, mm-hmm. he mentions two ways we can experience this. One way is to sit in front of a mirror and do your tree breathing or do your God breathing and call into yourself an awareness of one of the deities and then look at your reflection look deep into your eyes, look through your eyes into the soul and he describes an an infinity mirror where um, you're looking through and, you know, not only are you seeing, you know, infinite versions of yourself, but you're seeing light God, dark God, light God, dark God, light God, dark God ad infinitum. And the other way to do this is with a partner. Uh, if you you, mm-hmm. if you have a partner or um, someone you're exploring this with who's keen, uh, you can sit facing each other. And so instead of looking to a mirror, you're gazing into your partner's, you're gazing into the other person's eyes, you're gazing into each other's eyes and calling in the divine energy, calling in light God and dark God, tuning into that and then experiencing that infinity tunnel, light God, dark God, light God, dark God, like ad infinitum. Um, have I experienced that? Yes. Can I talk about it? I don't even have words. I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> um, all I can do is tell people, go back and listen to Hyperion's episode 52, because I can't think of any better way to describe it than he did. Mm-hmm. I will say, one, let's see, I feel like we skipped over a part that Hyperion was talking about. Maybe we didn't. Maybe we just didn't go into the detail he was going about. When he talks about, um, you know, again, the part where sex, gender and sex have nothing to do with one another in this episode. You know, he gives right. the example of someone being born with uh, female genitalia, you know, born as uh, female uh, with female sex characteristics and being classified as female, uh, that person might actually be an, a man, you know, because they just go based on how you look when you're born. They don't know the deeper self. You know, that person might actually be a man, a, tran- a trans man, and, you know, and if they're attracted to other men, then they are a man who loves men. Right. Right. He does. Yes, he does take time to really break that down. He identifies three different, um, three different things that often get confused. And so uh, he refers to gender. He refers to, I think he uses the word sex. Um, and then there's magical polarity. Um, I think the word sex might be a little problematic because 
Um, I think, you know, some people, you know, some people might say, well, you know, I was, when I was born, I, you know, I was born because the way my genitalia appeared, I was assigned the male sex, but that's not my true sex. My true sex is female. So, um, you know, I just want to be sensitive to that, that some people might push back against him using the word sex to refer to um, doctor assigned, um, the doctor assigned uh, label. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's three completely different things. The, um, the gender or sex assignment that was given to you by the doctor when you were born is a separate thing from your gender expression of who you are being. And those two very different things are in turn very different from magical polarity, whether you talk about magical polarity being masculine and feminine, which in many traditions we're used to, many folks are used to talking about the masculine and feminine spiritual energies, masculine feminine, feminine magical energies, yin and yang. Um, you know, but you could exchange that for Franz Bardon's um, electric and magnetic terminology or for Baudrillard's um, productive and seductive terminology or an unnamed path we work with light God and dark God energies. Um, Which, to be fair, (laughs) I think in our tradition, the polarity that we work with, light God energy, dark God energy, are not analogous, perfectly analogous to the electric and magnetic slash masculine, feminine, magical polarity that is worked with in so many other traditions. Hmm. Because I do think my experience of both of those is a little different you know, I have, you know, in, in, in my pre-unnamed path life, I have definitely played with um, uh, the, uh, for lack of a better term, masculine and feminine spiritual energies. Um, and the way, and especially in a, in a tantric setting, um, it's more like uh, because there, there's a two energy currents running through your body, Ida and Pingala. But uh, uh, we could say um, we could like compare them. They're similar in some ways to left brain and right brain. They're left and right side by side. Whereas in unnamed path, the energies that we're working with are very, it's a very vertical. Um, it's a very vertical pole. There's the, you know, the dark god energy, earthy underworld uh, force contrasting with the upper world, celestial transcendent energies of the light god. So, um, so my experience of them is that it's not just a difference in terminology. Are two different systems that are working with two different systems of energy. Um, but I don't know. Someone else's experience might be different than mine. Mm-hmm. And 
that is also something that Hyperion talked about because um, he talked about how he mentioned how that's you know, why we don't discuss uh, women's mysteries in the unnamed path. It is not our uh, truth. It is not our experience. And he doesn't. He says it himself that he is wary of touching on um, mysteries for uh, like specific mysteries for. Uh, people who are transgender or uh, gender non-conforming because they aren't his truth. They aren't his experience. And, you know, as we, we are both cis men, so we cannot truly speak on the experience of someone who is transgender. Um, but when I will say, you know, he does say if, a trans trans man who he trans man who loves men, you know, comes forward and wants to join this tradition. He's all about because they are going on that experience of being a man who loves men at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, and and this is me really. This is just ideas formulating in my head right now. I think. Perhaps there's an opportunity for us to make space for um, what are people being? Um, so often we we speak of um, people as uh, permanently <laughs> being something. So and so is a man. So and so is a trans person. So and so is this so and so is that but people go through each one of us is living a story none of us is standing still and some people many of us are living a story where we are moving from one mode of being to another and not only is that okay but I think that's beautiful and should be celebrated so I think Space needs to be made. Someone can be a heterosexual cis female person and be having that experience and then go through a transformation and then perhaps be a trans man who loves other men. And both of those experiences are equally valid. And that person in the story of their life moving into a trans man who loves men experience, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that the prior experience of being a cis female is wrong or inaccurate or something that needs to be erased. It's just a different chapter and that's okay. Um, You know, know, I think too often we go into the realm of, of, of things being a mistake or things being wrong. And I think that mm-hmm. there's a power, there are people of great power. I know many trans people who have tremendous spiritual power. And, and, and you know, just as, as uh, Hyperion speaks, you know, Hyperion very respectfully says that he's not going to touch on uh, women's mysteries because it's not his place. You know, we, you know, he mm-hmm. dug deep into bringing forth the, 
mysteries for men who love men, and, and I'm doing the same. But I have a keen awareness that trans people and the trans experience, they have their own powerful and important mysteries that are um, an integral part of the medicine for humanity as a whole, but it's their own thing. And we, um, I think it's wise for us to just create space to allow them to and encourage them to dig deep into that experience and bring forth um, mm-hmm. their, the fullness and richness of their own mysteries. The two things, you know, this is one of the reasons why we, you know, when people ask us, you know, is there a section of the ending path for women who love women, you know, we often say, we're pretty sure they're, we're not going to be definite because it's not our thing, but we're pretty sure we have a sister tradition out there, but we cannot go find it. You know, we are mm-hmm. anxious for someone to find it and come back and, you know, let's, let's swap, let's swap stories. Let's swap, you know, info so that we can, both our traditions can grow. Both of our communities can, you know, be enhanced by it. And I the, definitely the same for our trans, transgender brothers and sisters who have their own mysteries, but can also tap into the mysteries of, you know, men who love men, women who love women, you know, they are definitely like a bridge between both. And I now I really wish we had somehow managed to get Hazel on the show because I feel like she is a prime example of someone who went through, she went through the unnamed path as a, uh, Man who's men, but realized she vibrated more as a woman, and you know went through her transition and whatnot. Definitely should see if we can wrangle Hazel. (laughs) (laughs) Put it out there in the ethers. Um, uh, Where's Cerebro? Where you need it. Yes, I agree. I, it, you know, I, yeah, I think for what we're talking about, to have, you know, for her to be present and to share um, what her experience like would be so much more, I think, enlightening for all of us. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of brings me back um, when I – uh, had uh, when I was able to spend a lot of time um, with a friend and teacher from Pine Ridge Reservation, he said that um, you know, and of course it's very different in Lakota culture, uh, but uh, uh, he was referring specifically to the Winkes, and I can't remember uh, what the other terminology is, um, but these their version of what we would consider trans people and, and queer people. And uh, basically what he said is that traditionally in their culture, there is an awareness that these people were essential to the health of the tribe and their culture traditionally is very, um, 
gender dimorphic. There's very strict men's roles, very strict women's roles. Men and women even speak in different dialects. You know, you know if you're around them and they're speaking their native language, you'll hear them mention, um, you know, men's language and women's language. And the queer people are seen as um, ambassadors who help maintain the peace and balance between the men folk and the women folk. And that's what worked in their society. Um, and I think it's still playing out. You know, there have been some, certainly some bumps in the road with, with colonization, but I, you know, there's certainly a lot of people working hard to keep the old ways alive. And I think we in, in, in the mainstream culture have a lot to learn from that, to recognize the role that, you know, a trans person um, can teach us so much. Um, and I, I think also, um, trans men have so much to teach, um, cisgendered men about how to really understand and respect women. There's an entire experience that cisgendered women have had in our society that, you know, even I being a feminist, until recently, I've been really ignorant in so many ways of the level and depth of um, of harassment that women are subject to in our culture. And mm-hmm. trans men have such a, a valuable place in being able to advocate for a healthier way to um, – interact with the women folk and a healthier way to be masculine and to be a man um, so that we can have a stronger and healthier society where everyone feels safe um, and, and, um, and, and included and equal. Um, These people, you know, they're, they're our teachers and, you know, I think one of the most powerful things we can do is to recognize opportunities to learn. And for me, I was so grateful when for a long time uh, I was privileged to run, I called it the men's mysteries. It was a group for men, folks who identified as men. And, you know, we were all different sexual orientations and, and the, um, it certainly was not cis male exclusive and we learned so much from one another and the strategy being, how can we create a healthier masculinity? What can we do to grow so that we can be better role models for the next generation of young males so that we can do better moving forward. And um, the trans men are, I think an essential part of that equation. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were talk, talking about your experience with that group, it made me think about uh, something I remember from my time at PSG. Uh, because, like the the men's ritual, the women's ritual, and the, the now the all gender ritual are very much community-led and community. Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for, community uh, manifested. And in the planning meetings leading up to there, you know, they get everyone's opinion on everything. And they specifically, you know, sought out the opinion of transgender individuals. Uh, from what I, from my experience with the men, they sought out the opinion of trans men's individ, uh, like opinions on past rituals, like what made them feel unwelcomed or uncomfortable and how we can change and grow from their experiences. You know, like one of the men was talking about how, you know, he wasn't comfortable, you know, being bare chested because, you know, he, he had dysmorphia around his chest. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, that was factored into that year's men's ritual. And I think from since then, every one of them, you know, you had the, there was the option of you can, you know, go as you feel comfortable. You know, you do not have to disrobe or anything like that. But if you feel like taking off your sh- shirt or whatever, do what you feel is best. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just making people more aware and sensitive to issues that don't concern themselves. You know, making themselves aware of issues for the community. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, we've certainly have come a long way. We have a lot further to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we we I mean, I think we've made some good headway in 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 awareness and I you know, one thing, so many things have happened over the past 2 years that that I've been really humbled and you know, recognized opportunities for me to learn. And I think maybe 10 years ago would would have been very like me to have the attitude of, well, I'm a queer man and and a lifelong feminist. I don't really have any – you can't tell me. Um, I've already been around the block. I already know the answers. And over the recent years, I've had opportunities to really – listen to people's stories, people whose experience is very different from mine, and to come away with a much deeper appreciation for that. And I'm really grateful that that I had the self-discipline to really dial back in those opportunities, my own ego, and say, you know what? I, I'm not the expert. I need to sit back and, and receive what this other person is is communicating and listen to their experience and do a better job of trying to understand. Um, Because I think that's how change happens is when Mm -hmm. each of us individually is willing to learn and yeah, each one of us. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot and I'm quote unquote, right, but I don't know everything and it doesn't diminish me to make space to learn something new. If anything, that might actually make me a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't know if we want to keep going talking about 
the episode because towards the end of the episode, Hyperion touches a little bit on, you know, some of the magic that we do, mainly around our energy healing techniques. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that could very much be an episode all in itself. Um, because we have, I know we have several brothers who practice different energy healing techniques, not not just the techniques of the Unlinked Path, but also um, um, Reiki and uh, I think some do Tantra. And looking, I'm doing a quick look, that is one of the things we have not talked about yet in um, looking at our previous episodes. We've not really talked about the energy healing of the Unlinked Path. No, we have not. For That seems to be our mystery of mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all for doing, uh, ex- you know, carving out an episode to dig into that more deeply um, mm-hmm. and discussing because how he, the way we work with polarity plays into that. Because mm-hmm. he definitely, he talks about a couple of different exercises um, one of them being a healing uh, practice that you can do on someone and then, you know, basically a uh, sexual healing, like a hieros gamos that you can do as men who love men. So that would definitely be something that I think would be a good thing to talk about. Sure, sure. And I think we're, I think we're already at seven o'clock. Yes, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> ah, so coming soon, a deeper discussion of energy healing and of the different ways we use polarity in our practices in the unnamed path. And I'd certainly do want to hear from some of our other brothers about how this is playing out for them um, in their hands-on experience. So thank you to our listeners. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, visit theunnamedpath.com. Go to the archives. Um, Today we discussed uh, episode 52 on polarity, Mm -hmm. gender, and magic. Um, And we're going to be continuing these discussions. Yes. I've been trying to see if I could find a song to play us out to. And I'm still looking. But while I'm looking, do you have do you have anything coming up, Matthew, that you'd like to promote or anything like that? I do not have anything. Uh I don't have anything to announce at this time. Um mm-hmm. but there are there are surprises and delights to come. <laughs> so um <laughs> Tune in next episode because uh, uh, there might be there might be uh, there might be some happenings to announce at that time. Ooh, ooh, that's uh, what? Dang, dang it! I can't think of the word I'm wanting to use. <laughs> but <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So I'm going to go ahead and play us out with a short song, uh, "Spar Rhythm Rise Up," which. I don't know, just, it feels like the right song to play at the moment. And, you know, 
it's been a joy spending this hour with you, Matthew. Uh, yeah. I can't wait Same for here. our next episode. <laughs> okay. And I hope you all have had a great weekend, had a great holiday, you know, however you wanted to celebrate it, if you celebrated it. And I hope everyone has a good couple of weeks until we're back. Okay. Until right. next time, thank you, everybody, and be blessed. Yes. And this, again, is Spiral Rhythm, Rise Up. Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, you pagan children, rise up and spread her word, rise up and share her glory, for her love can change the world, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, be a warrior in her spirit, let her love light be your sword. Your enemies with kindness spread in peace or ancient words Pagans tonight.